0: This week, a new pediatric study says allowing kids to participate in risky play is a good thing. The Maine legislature votes on becoming a sanctuary for minor children seeking sex changes. And an Iowa Christian school goes all in on armed teachers and staff. These stories and much more coming up this week on The Lion, Week in Review. Welcome into this week's edition of The Lion Week in Review. It's a weekly look at the culture, the courts, your state capital, and your kids. I'm Chris Stigall. Now let's meet the panel—some of the men and women behind all the stories you read at readlion.com. Michael Ryan is executive editor. Josh Mann, the managing editor, and Faith Perkins, staff writer at The Lion. Welcome all of you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. you bet. Let's dive into uh, some of the great stories you have cooking over there. I thought this was a great one to jump off today. Uh, to kick off the show, and that is uh, encouraging risky play, Josh. Man, what does risky play mean? There's been a new study out that says that's that's something parents ought to encourage.
1: Yeah, that's right. So this is from one of our writers who is a trained psychologist. And this is based on some research out of Canada. But risky play is defined as thrilling and exciting forms of free play that involve uncertainty of outcome and the possibility of injury. In other words, (laughs) let your kids go outside and play make-believe, climb trees, whatever. There might be a little risk of injury, but it's really, really good for them. And it's so much better than keeping them indoors and on screens and what maybe some parents actually think is safe yes
0: faith uh i don't i don't know i don't mean to put you on the spot with this i don't know if you ever intend to have kids but if you do uh i think i've heard mothers refer to this particularly as free-range parenting let your kids explore let them go right that's part of this study that's the theory
2: yeah yeah i actually grew up on a farm i was put on a horse when i was four we really went, yeah we went four-wheeling cl- climb climbed trees and my mom's golden rule is like God made dirt, dirt don't hurt. So, like, <laughs> I if, love that. God, what would you say that again? God made dirt, so dirt don't hurt. That's so, so good. Yeah. The more messy you got, the better.
0: And you think you're better for it? Yes. Yeah, Michael Ryan. Well, we uh, free
3: range. We do that for chickens anyway. I mean, why <laughs> shouldn't we do that for our kids? Uh, you know, unscheduled, disorganized. That kind of represents my life. Yes. Um, And as a kid, my happiest moments were those pickup games, you know, playing touch football out of nowhere, just getting somebody off the street to come play with us. You know, you can't do that today. No. Uh, But, you know, in in school, uh, we went out for recess and we played on the asphalt and we played like Red Rover. I don't know if you know what Red Rover is, (laughs) but these lines of kids with their... Hands linked together and, and facing each other, and you have to run as fast as you can to try to break that line, break through that. Not even the NFL allows that. I mean, on asphalt. I, I can't, yes, on oh. asphalt. I can't believe they'd let us do that. And then there was tackle the man with the ball, yeah. which is nothing but tackling somebody with a football. And then there was bombardment, which is a a particularly vicious form of dodgeball that we, I mean, we all survived. Yes. It was probably more dangerous than, than you would allow kids to play today. But,
0: you know, faith, the, um, the story of Leah Thomas or who they call Leah Thomas, we've, uh, I know you at the lion. I've had the opportunity to interview, uh, Riley Gaines a couple of times. Um, she, <laughs> her story, the story of Riley Gaines, Leah Thomas sort of made Riley famous, Uh, And while I know the story of transgender athletes may have been around prior to Leah Thomas, this is the person that kind of put it on the map in collegiate swimming. And now uh, this former biological male, who now calls himself a woman, is angling, it sounds like, for the Olympics. That's another story you've got at the Lion.
2: Yeah, absolutely. It looks like Leah Thomas is suing World Aquatics to try and get to the Olympic trials in June um, because right now she's not allowed to swim per their Policy,
0: Intriguing. And Michael, so uh, what's the goal here? Uh, A secret, quiet lawsuit that would force the Olympics to buckle to transgender athletes ultimately across the spectrum?
3: Yeah, that's what it would do. I mean, it's not very secret or quiet, actually, but, you know, that's what it would do. You know, I, I had the privilege of interviewing Riley Gaines, who is all over this, and she described how during COVID, She was training. She was a swimmer like Leah Thomas and went head to head against him eventually. And she described how during COVID she would strap on a a wetsuit because they couldn't get together and train. And she'd jump in the local pond and train that way while, uh, she says, Leah Thomas was taking the year off to transition. And yet they still, you know, competed against each other uh, head to head. And so, I mean, she she said that was pretty much proof that, you know, a guy can take a a year off and I can train like mad and I still don't have an advantage.
0: Yeah. In fact, um, Riley has similarly said in interviews that Leah Thomas, when competing in the male swimming division, was something like 400 plus ranked. Not not really a significant competitor in men's swimming. Only when he became Leah and competed against women did he make news for
1: Placing. Yes, and the other one of the other points that Riley's made recently is that when World Aquatics uh, they recently changed their policy to to basically disallow biological males who have not transitioned uh, before puberty from competing against women. Um, she they also added an open category because they want to allow uh, trans persons or whoever, if you want to compete in an open category, here it is. In October, when they first uh, implemented it in a tournament, nobody signed up for that category. Riley's point is that this suggests that there's some other motivation than just wanting the chance to compete. Why not sign up for the open category? I mean, I think it's obvious that there's some unfairness or a, a, a biological advantage. And so I think that's a good point that Riley makes.
0: Michael Ryan, on to another story out of Oklahoma. Oklahoma has seemed to be, lately in the news, sort of a, a, a flashpoint in the educational freedom discussion. Uh, Governor Stitt and uh, some other Republicans I know have have ushered in a new era of school choice. There seemed to be some Republican dissension on the issue. Democrats certainly oppose it. Homeschooling, though, we know, has become the fastest growing school choice lane out there. And now it seems very specifically in Oklahoma, that's the target.
3: Yeah. This bill would basically make you ask permission from the government, uh, complete with background checks, maybe home visits, I don't know, in order to homeschool your kids. And, you know, it would seem to fundamentally change the relationship that we have with our government. Uh, You know, a lot of folks like uh, moms for liberty like to say we don't co-parent with the government this would make you co-parent with the government i mean they would look at you to see if you're fit enough to homeschool which is really a, an amazing growth of government if it passes
0: i i know that the washington post faith and others are now starting to really do deep dive analysis into homeschooling because they're seeing it's growing as i mentioned oddly New York City, you would not think it, but New York City is the place that homeschooling is exploding the most. So you have these folks that are, I guess now, talking about it in a way that it's, it's suspicious, or maybe it's not being done right, and only the government's looking in to approve it at every turn is the only way you can sanction somebody's homeschooling experience. I, I, I mean, obviously for 40 years they've been fighting to uh, have the right to homeschool their children. This would be a tremendous step backwards, obviously.
2: Yeah, and one of the points they made was that it could um, like lead to child abuse. Hmm. But there's already laws to protect children from child abuse that don't hinder homeschooling.
0: Yeah, In what way, Josh? Expound on that a little bit, the,
1: the abuse. So I think one of the concerns, uh, ostensible concerns of this Democratic sponsor of the bill is child abuse in the home. But we've seen actually in the Washington Post and others – this kind of becomes one way to target homeschooling. Uh, that's how the homeschool community feels anyway. Um, they'll cry foul about the potential of child abuse, but when you look at the, the frequency of child abuse within homeschooling and, and outside of it, there's, there's no correlation. And so um, and just as Michael explained, there is legitimate concern that these laws will... Uh, th- these laws will will apply to everybody, so it doesn't, uh, it doesn't really matter whether or not there's a suspicion of abuse. Uh, further, the background checks are not only on the parents, but any adults living in the home and any adults who may assist in the child's schooling. Mm. So there are even Christian schools in the state that are concerned because potentially if that school offers classes or instruction to homeschool families, which is pretty common in Christian schools— They'll allow a homeschooler to sign up. Then they, too, will be subject to these background checks and potentially be entered into a government database.
0: Irony of all ironies, as we shift to Rhode Island, and I know they're not related, but Faith in Rhode Island, there's a school district, and their newest board member says parents don't need to be notified about gender transition. This is not necessarily a new story, but it's so funny to me that we just discussed uh, the, the allegation that child abuse could happen in secret in a homeschool setting. But public schools are allowed to keep secrets from parents, is apparently what this Rhode Island school board member is saying.
2: Yeah, and that's happening all over. And because of what she said, I do believe they're looking to change the policy to try and conceal that from the parents.
0: Concealing, Michael Ryan—that's the great word she just used. It's concealing. It's hiding. I mean, it's, it's right. It's the very accusation that in Oklahoma, some of the legislature would lobby against homeschoolers—that it's secret and it needs investigating.
3: Well, apply that to other places in our lives. What if uh, you had an OB with that position that they're not going to tell you the sex of your child? <laughs> yeah. I mean, uh, imagine the business treating its customers that way. You know, w- knowing what's on your plate at a restaurant is on a need to know basis, you know, <laughs> and it's, you know, what organ we're going to remove is up to us. And we're not going to tell you. I mean, it's just why would you do that in, in any aspect of life? Certainly in raising children uh, it won't tell you the, your own child's sexual identity. Uh, and that's why, you know, education freedom is exploding across the country. You know, children's education is the most important part of parenting beyond health and safety and now they want to lock parents out of that Uh, you know it it also violates policies
0: to release grades to people are they going to include parents in that we have heard of child trafficking josh man that's a subject that comes up a lot sexual trafficking in maine they're now talking about a term i've not heard yet and at the lion you guys have written a story about trans trafficking what is this
1: Yeah, this was a Maine uh, legislative bill that was considered in committee recently, and it kind of went viral when Republicans attacked it for being a trans-trafficking bill. That's what they called it. Um, The criticism, well, what the bill would do is essentially give temporary jurisdiction over children to the state of Maine. Um, So basically, if a child from another state who cannot receive so-called gender-affirming care um, what critics might just call sex change treatments. If they can't receive that in their state. So for instance, Ohio that just passed this, yes. for instance, an Ohio child could move to Maine and... Just come on over and the state will get custody. And then the child can receive that those procedures. Um, and so essentially though, that would be transporting a minor, which sounds kind of like trafficking, hence the criticism that this is a trans trafficking bill. And uh, after outrage and a letter-writing campaign, they actually nixed it 12-0. Um, so even the Democrats joined the Republicans. Oh, wow. And so they, they did squash it, but that it was considered in Maine, I think, is says something.
0: This is a close cousin, Michael Ryan, too. I think when Roe versus Wade was overturned, states started kind of uh, some states outlawed abortion, while other states said, well, come over here and have an abortion if you'd like. And there was this debate about crossing state lines. I guess some people in Maine see this as similar. If, if a child wants to have transgender surgery as a minor. Come on into Maine, and we'll do it here instead. It's the same concept.
3: Yeah, and Josh, you can correct me if I'm wrong, but I think, didn't they explicitly allow for that trafficking from other states in this bill? Yes. Yeah. Wow. wow. Well, it it tells you something, too, that even the people who were behind this voted against it. So (laughs) it's a good idea one week, and it's a bad idea the next. It makes you wonder how well thought out are these proposals. You know, this is this is sex change tourism for kids. Uh, it's just outlandish. It's unbelievable that they would allow that. And you have to wonder: is it a rogue parent that can take the kid to this state for that sex change operation, or could the kid hop a train and go to themselves? I mean, it's just wacko.
0: Yeah, it is. And uh, faith, we turn to Akron, Ohio. You know, we're hopping all over the map. That's what the lion does. They cover news stories all over the country and. Uh, Back to Ohio, as I just mentioned a minute ago. This is actually about school unions. So the school board in Akron approved online tutors, which seems benign enough. That seems harmless, online tutoring for kids in public school. What's the problem, Faith?
2: Yeah, so the union is accusing the school board of trying to privatize education, um, and they're also accusing them of deleting footage from the meeting.
1: Oh, all right. And that aspect of the meeting happened, well, there was a discussion in a closed session. That's what the union took exception to. I see. After that closed session, the the board voted publicly to approve a contract with varsity tutors um, to provide some 2,400 o- tutoring hours to its students, who, by the way, are struggling immensely with reading. Um, and so, as Faith said, the the union took exception to that, and... In the lawsuit, though, it's interesting, the union also does not want the judge to allow the district to approve any private contract with a tutoring company while the the litigation is pending. And so it seems like the union really doesn't want to hire tutors for the kids. Now, ostensibly, that's because they want their own members to have more work. But they can't fill the tutoring jobs that are vacant right now. Yeah. So it really comes across as looking like the union is just uh, upset and, and really standing between the kids and the tutoring help that they need. This is the private sector, Michael Ryan, stepping
0: in where there's a void, and I suppose that's a threat to a union arrangement. Yeah, I mean,
3: years ago you wouldn't think that teachers would look at tutors as competition. Yeah. But now that's the case, apparently. And then to claim that this is somehow replacing teachers or privatizing education by getting a tutor. I looked it up in the thesaurus. There are words for that. Hysterical, (laughs) hyperbole, hyperventilating, and hypertension. Uh, Tutors don't replace teachers. They complement them. But uh, having said that, uh, how the school board handled this may indeed be an open meetings violation if they were required to do such things in
0: open bids. Interesting. Well, I know you'll continue to Follow that story. Now we shift to Iowa, um, one of my favorite states, selfishly. Uh, My mother's from there. I have relatives there. I love what they've done with school choice there personally. But now on top of all of this, you've written a story about how Iowa Christian schools are introducing new armed staff policies, Josh.
1: Yeah, and this particular school um, has just uh, started to go public with their policy and the local media has been interested and you know this is a this is debated around the country. Public schools, Christian schools, all kinds of schools debate how do we protect our students. And this, uh, but I think what's interesting about this Christian school is they have worked very closely with law enforcement officials, and uh, th- their policy requires extensive training for staff that are armed, and they don't disclose exactly who is armed publicly uh, for privacy reasons. Uh, but the the superintendent was extremely excited about it and reported that about 95% of the feedback they've got is very positive because parents are really concerned about school safety and they feel safer at this school because of their policy.
0: Faith, I don't know how much writing you have done about uh, school safety and armed teachers. And this is a huge debate, obviously, always when we've seen it in both public school and even sadly, tragically in the Nashville Christian school shooting. Uh, Do you think generally, or could you guess, whether most Christian schools in particular are supportive of the idea of armed teachers or do you have any sense of it? I know maybe that's just a guess or have you read or heard anything about it?
2: Um, So I don't know about a majority, but my old private school actually just implemented a policy earlier last year that allows the teachers to have weapons or firearms at the school.
0: Very interesting. Michael Ryan, is this going to be a growing trend? If it's not already, uh, I say trend, maybe it, it already exists. Well, it's been talked about for years. I can tell you that the nuns in my school were armed
3: uh, <laughs> with certain weapons. With rulers. <laughs> yes. Yeah, yeah. And yardsticks. Yeah. <laughs> um, it's, it's hard to believe, on a serious note, that uh, schools are such soft targets so many years after Columbine and so many school shootings in between. Uh, It's just amazing. You know, lots of employees in different uh, industries are armed, and it seems to work out okay. Um, But these folks in Iowa looked at the facts, and the facts discovered uh, were that response time, in the case of an active shooter, would be 7 to 11 minutes. Um, And I think they discover what most homeowners already know, and that is that the defense of your property is up to you primarily.
0: Well, before we head out and wrap up today's show, I always like to ask the panel about their favorite stories at the lion, stories that they think are of particular interest to them or maybe to you. So, Michael Ryan, we start with you. What's uh, what's on the top of your list today?
3: Well, I really like this one. Missouri senator accuses Planned Parenthood of illegal activity after video reveals it traffics minors out of state for abortions every day. There appears to be a traffic jam in trafficking.
0: Wow,
3: that's really
0: a stunner to read about. Faith?
2: We touched on this story a little last time, but Liam Siegler wrote a story where he talked to millennials about their um, beliefs in abortion.
0: Oh, yeah, that's, that's a good one. Liam was great last week, and uh, one of the things that I think uh, he gives great perspective on is, as you say, the young person's perspective and I from the data I read it's changing pretty dramatically so we'll look forward to reading that Josh
1: Mann we just published a story and I've got to read you a few statistics Denver Public Schools uh, nearly 20 million in the red due to a migrant influx from the southern border. Wow. The, the school district there is facing a 17.5 million dollar shortfall in their budget after nearly 3,000 students have started attending and enrolled in their schools at no cost. This is among 40,000 migrants that have arrived in Denver in just 1 year. This is a city of 700,000 people. The the mayor says he thinks the city will need an additional an additional 180 million in 2024 to cover the added expenses that the migrants collectively are uh, costing the city. Wow. And this is not this isn't just uh, Denver, it's Chicago, Boston, D.C., New York. They're all dealing with something like this.
0: And, of course, we're now hearing about mayors uh, turning, turning hotels, uh, hospitals, And school buildings into migrant shelters as opposed to what they're used for. So it's an issue. I know you're all following these stories and many, many more great stuff this week. And that'll do it for us. Uh, I hope you'll always check out readline.com to keep up to date on the latest news every day. And until next time, for all of us at the Lion, thanks for downloading the show.